Welcome to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study. Our teacher is Dr. John G. Mitchell, a faithful teacher of the Word of God for more than 60 years. From our Lord's appearing to the women, Luke now presents Jesus as appearing to two disciples traveling from Jerusalem to Emmaus. Well, Luke presents post-resurrection appearances of our Lord Jesus Christ. And here, one of Jesus' first ministries after his resurrection was to present a Bible exposition of the Christ, the Messiah, from the scriptures which they had, which we now know as the Old Testament. And Jesus explained the things concerning himself in all these scriptures. So let me ask, do we seek Jesus in the scriptures? Hebrews chapter 12 verses 2 and 3 exhorts us to consider him who endured hostilities and to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith. So let's do this. Here's Dr. Mitchell expounding the scriptures concerning our living and risen Lord and Savior Jesus Christ on the Unchanging Word Bible broadcast, Luke chapter 24, verse 13. And we're dealing with the last chapter of this wonderful gospel, dealing with the resurrection of our Savior. Again, may I say the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead is the logical sequence, sequence to his life unto his death. As I said before, and I repeated the, our Lord's whole life has to be guaranteed to us by his resurrection. 
That's not to be wondered at. When you remember that his birth was supernatural, his life was supernatural, his death was supernatural. And the logical sequence, of course, is his resurrection and exaltation to God's right hand, as Peter says in the book of Acts, to be a prince and a savior. Now, last lesson we were dealing with the Lord appearing unto the women. He first of all appeared, according to Mark 16, he appeared first of all to Mary Magdalene. And here you have where the, the angel rebuked them for their unbelief when he said, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, he's risen. And he drove them to the scriptures. And I take it after verse 11, where the women, having testified to the fact that the tomb was empty, at their words, were the idle tales to the other disciples. They believed them not. I take it then that Mary Magdalene went back to the sepulcher and stood outside weeping. And you remember the Lord came to her and said, Woman, what are you weeping for? And she said, They've taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. Sir, if you know where you've laid him, if you know where he is, please tell me. Do you remember the Lord Jesus said, Mary, and no one can say that like he did. And she said, Rabboni, mass and feathery feet. And it's after that that she told Peter and John, or told the disciples, Peter and John came to the tomb. And you remember the story there. Now in verse 12 of chapter 24, we have this question of Peter. Then arose Peter and ran to the sepulchre, Stooping down, he beheld the linen clothes laid by themselves and departed, wondering in himself at that which was come to pass. Now, I'm not going to go to the detail of that. As I say, you go to chapter 20 of John, you get the detail of how John and Peter ran to the subject, and John did outrun Peter, but he didn't go in, just, he just stood outside and looked in. But Peter went right in, he just barged right in. And John, I read that John saw and believed. Now, starting at verse 13 of chapter 24, uh, we have the story of the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. I'll come back to Peter when we get further on in the chapter where the Lord appeared unto Peter himself. Allow me to read this little story, this wonderful incident of our Lord meeting two of these disciples who are on the road to Emmaus. I'm reading from verse 13 of chapter 24. And behold, two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem, about three score furlongs. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. They were, they were discussing what the Lord had said while he walked among men, more than likely they were discussing the miracles he had performed, and of how he had been crucified and buried. It came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were, were holden that they should not know him. I think here you have the Lord uh, made it impossible for them to realize who this one was who was walking with them. And he said unto them, What manner of communication are these that you have one to another as you walk and are sad? What are you talking about? It makes you so sad. It's the way we would put it. And one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answering, said to him, 
Are, are you a stranger in Jerusalem? And have you not heard the things which have come to pass there in these days? He said to them, What things? And they said unto him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death, and they have crucified him. But we trusted it had been he that should have restored, redeemed Israel. Besides all this, today is the third day these, since these things were done. Yea, and certain women of our company made us astonished when they were early at the sepulchre. When they found not his body, they came, saying, They had seen a vision of angels, which said that he was alive. And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulchre, and found it even so as the women had said. But him they saw not. Then he said to them, O foolish one, slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to have entered into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And they drew nigh unto the village whither they went. And he made as though he would have gone further. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us. For it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them. And it came to pass, as he sat at meat with them, he took bread, blessed it, broke it, and gave to them. And their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished out of their sight. And they said one to another, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us by the way? and while he opened to us the scriptures. And they rose up the same hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven gathered together and them that were with them, saying, The Lord is risen indeed and hath appeared to Simon. And they told what things were done in the way and how he was known of them in the breaking of the bread. This is a wonderful story, wonderful, wonderful thing of how the Lord revealed himself to these disciples who were on the road to Emmaus. Now I take it at the beginning of the chapter, when the Lord appeared unto the women, it would be in the morning. And I believe this, of course, was in late afternoon. And these two were on their way uh, to Emmaus. And they, the Lord drew very nigh to them. And they were talking about the things of the Lord. You see, uh, they hadn't lost their love for the Savior. They still loved the Savior. It hadn't been affected. Their faith in the Lord hadn't been broken. It was their hope that had been destroyed. You remember, we had hoped that he would have redeemed Israel. Our, all our hopes were in the Savior, Jesus Christ. I say they loved him. They talked about him. He was the theme of their conversation. By the way, wouldn't it be a wonderful thing when Christians got together that the theme of their conversation would be a risen, glorified Savior? Oh, how often, and I say this with a great deal of conviction in my own heart at times, it seems we have time to talk about everything under heaven but the Savior. It's so easy to talk about anything and everything. But let us talk about Him. How much is the Lord upon your heart? How much is he upon my heart? Is it hard for us Christians to talk about the Savior? Is it hard for us to communicate one to the other? 
Are we, are we ashamed of our ignorance of the Savior that we don't talk about him? I wonder sometimes. Has our love for him grown cold? Are we indifferent to him and the great yearning he has for our fellowship? You know, I was just reading this passage through and I couldn't help but think. The Lord drew near unto them. What are you sad about? Why are you so sad? You know, when a person has lost their hope, brother, it makes you sad. And they went on, they said, why, yes, we're sad. Are you a stranger around here? Don't you know what's taking place? He said, what things? Of course they knew what things. He knew all about that. Their Lord was dead. We've got a right to be sad. He was a, he was a, a prophet mighty indeed and word before God and all the people. And I'm sure that these two told Jesus about what the Lord Jesus had talked about. I'm sure they talked about the miracles, the works he accomplished, of how he raised the dead and opened the eyes of the blind and cleansed the lepers and fed the hungry and saved sinners and blessed them. I tell you, friend, they, were, they found much to talk about, but they were sad. It's over. It's all over. We had hoped. He would have redeemed Israel. It's all gone. Death is the end of everything. You know, that's the attitude of so many people. You know, sometimes you wonder if, if the Savior of a great many Christians is dead. And he said, why are you so sad? You, some Christian, you wonder if the last day had come. They've lost the joy and the peace and the blessing that comes from fellowshipping with a risen, glorified, living Savior. My friend, we sing it. He lives, he lives, he lives today. How do you know? How do you know he lives? I remember a dear man who worked in the Union Gospel Mission in Grand Rapids. Somebody said to him, how do you know he's alive? Well, he said, I'll tell you. I was just talking to him half an hour ago in the office. He'd had a time with the Lord. This is real. This is not theory. This is not just a doctrine. Just as real as we have it in this passage. These two disciples, though they were sad, and though they loved the Savior, and they trusted the Savior, and their hopes were based all wrapped round and in the Savior, their hopes were shattered. Death had come in. And when death comes in, we say, well, that's the end of it. That's the end of it. No, friend. For the Christian, it's the opening of a new life, a new era. And so we go on. And, the, and then they went on and talked about not only his life and his miracles, but also that he, the rulers of Israel had delivered him up, crucified him. We had hoped he would have redeemed Israel. Three days have gone by, but the amazing thing is the women came from the sepulchre and found it empty. They said they seen some angels, and that it, who said the angel said that Jesus was alive, and some of our crowd went over to the sepulchre, and sure enough, it was empty. Could have been Peter and John. You remember they went and came back. It was empty. Mark his reproof in verse twenty-five. Then he said to them, "O foolish ones!" and slow of heart to believe. Slow to believe all that the prophets had spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded 
unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. They testified of an empty tomb. He drove them to the scriptures, slow to believe all that the Lord had said in the word of God. Is the sinless one dead? Is this the end? Has evil triumphed? Is their hope shattered? My friend, the greatest tragedy on earth was the crucifixion of the sinless Son of God, if there is no resurrection. I say again, is the sinless one, Christ Jesus, still in the tomb? Is he still dead? Has evil triumphed? Has hell triumphed? Has the purpose of God been destroyed? Notice what Jesus says. He rebuked them. Oh, slow of heart, slow to believe. I've got to say today how easy it is and how often God's people are slow to believe the wonders of what he has declared in the word of God. My heart oftentimes is just burdened and heavy because of the ignorance of God's people concerning their Savior, concerning the work he has fully accomplished, concerning his resurrection from the dead, concerning the purpose and program of God through his Son and through you and me. Slow to believe. And notice the Lord Jesus Christ didn't, re didn't say, well, uh, here I am, here I am, I'm raised from the dead. No, he drove them to the scriptures and beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them and all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. You know, he didn't perform a miracle. He didn't declare he was alive. He just drove them to the scriptures. Listen, my friend. If he had performed a miracle, they would have forgotten the scriptures in their desire for him. And let me just say a word here. There are so many Christians depending upon experiences. And they may be wonderful experiences. But Jesus didn't bring before them any experiences. He drove them to the scriptures. Friends, please do not judge the word of God in the light of your experience, but rather judge your experience in the light of the word of God. Shall I repeat that? Do not judge the word of God in the light of your experience. Rather, judge your experience in the light of the Word of God. What I'm after here is the tremendous place that God has given to his Word. The angels drove the women to the Word of God, to the Scriptures. Jesus drove these men and rebuked them because they didn't believe the Word of God. And starting at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the Scriptures the things concerning himself. Dear child of God, discipline yourself. Go to your scriptures. Read and reread and reread the word of God until it becomes a part and parcel of your very being. Because all I know of God is what I know of Jesus. And what do I know of Jesus? What I know through the scriptures. 
And the word of God's a complete revelation of God through his son to you. And faith cometh by hearing, and hearing not by an experience. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I can't overemphasize this. I despair sometimes that God's people ignore the word of God. And here are these two disciples who knew all about Jesus in his words, in his acts, in everything else. But death had come in. They forgot. They were slow to believe what the scripture said concerning his resurrection. Now notice it. And they, when they drew nigh to the village, whither they went, he made as though he would have gone further. And they constrained him. They urged him, saying, Abide with us. Stay with us. It is toward evening. The day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them. And a wonderful thing. They invited him down, and he sat at meat with them. They, he, they invited him to come in and stay with him. It's toward evening. Night is coming on. Please don't go any further. Stay with us. Eat with us. Sit at the table with us. And he did, and he sat down at meat with them, and he took the bread, and he blessed it, and he gave it to them, and their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished out of their sight. See, friend, they invited him in. Did you? Here is their reaction of love. They entreated him to stay with them. Have you invited him in to stay with you? Do you know that verse in Revelation chapter 3? Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and sup with him and he with me. Friend, have you invited him into your life? And I read here that they wanted to take care of him. Come on, abide with us. Come on, eat with us. Come on, stay with us. Is it not a wonderful thing that the Lord takes any sinful man or woman who will accept him and he will come into your life, transform your life, have fellowship with you? You know, it's a wonderful thing to put your feet under somebody's table and eat with them, fellowship. Ah, this is a, this is, it's not the meal so much. It's the fellowship. It's the relationship, the satisfaction of hearts enjoying one another. Just think of these two fellows inviting the Savior in and what a time of fellowship they had. And when it came to the time to eat, he was known to them, as you have in verse 35, he was known of them in the breaking of the bread. I'm sure there must have been some special way that the Lord Jesus just, just break the bread. And he was the eyes were opened. He drove them to the scriptures and their eyes were opened. I notice something else, verse 32. And they said one to another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way and while he opened to us the scriptures? In verse 31, he opened their eyes. In verse 32, he opened to us the scriptures. And if you want to go further, in verse 45, he opened their understanding. You know the Lord will do the same thing with you and me today. He'll open your eyes. Ah, if you love him. And you want to know him, he'll open your eyes. And he opened the scriptures to you. He's the only one who can. First Corinthians, you remember chapter 2, about verse 9 on. I hath not seen, 
ear hath not heard, neither hath it entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him, but God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit, even the very deep things of God. Oh, listen, friend, let me ask you the question. Has he opened to you, has he opened your eyes, has he opened the Scriptures to you, the Spirit of God here to do that? May I just suggest in closing, won't you open up your heart and let the Lord Jesus come right into your heart and let him abide in you? Not as a not as a, a, a passing guest, not as a boarder, you know, not as a rumor, but as the one who comes to just live right in your heart and give him the run of the house. You know, let him come in and he'll open up your eyes and he'll open up your understanding and he'll open up to you the scriptures. Oh, friend, he's a wonderful savior. Why don't you put your trust in him today? Their live, risen, living, glorified, exalted Savior can be yours today. And he's still saying to sinners, come unto me. Just come to me. I'll give you rest. I'll give you peace. I'll forgive you every transgression. And he's never yet turned anyone down. And he'll not turn you down either, my friend. I'll guarantee that to you. And the Lord bless you today. Thank you for listening to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study today. The Unchanging Word is dependent on the support of our listeners. You can write us at The Unchanging Word, P.O. Box 398, Dallas, Oregon, 97338. And so until next time, this is The Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study. Life begins at Calvary, life that day.